Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 6, Episode 20. I would start with the professionalism piece. I mean, you, you've, you've got to comport yourself in a manner to make people follow you and want to follow you. Not because you've got a title, but because you carry yourself the way you should and that you've got knowledge that can help them or help their team or help their organization. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we are coming off of Coaches Conference, and at Coaches Conference every year, we celebrate our Coach of the Year Award winners. We have one of those award winners with us today, Gary Calcagno the College Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year from Oklahoma State. Gary, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate the, the invite to the podcast. I'm excited. We had a fun time at Coach's Conference in Charlotte. Uh, it was great having you out there. Coach Glass from your staff was there and uh, your families came. We just, it was a great time. It. I tell you what, it is a Definitely a first-class experience, and uh, my wife said it, and Coach Glass and his wife both echoed those same sentiments. You guys do such a first-class job. It was it was really fantastic, and the the ceremony was great, uh, but even more so, the social afterwards at the NASCAR Hall of Fame was really really cool. And I'm I was obviously excited that Coach Glass and his wife came, and and. I, I think it was good that that he was there because so many people came up to him during the the social afterwards and really after the ceremony as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people want to bend his ear. So that was good, too. I think about the Oklahoma State program. You've been there for over 20 years. Uh, and that's one of those programs that there hasn't been a lot of turnover. We don't talk about that a lot in the profession. I think we get into this career and we know we're going to be moving around. There's, you know, it can be a yep. challenging profession at times and it's obviously a testament to the work you do there. But that was my first time meeting, uh, well, you in person, but coach glass as well in person. And I think that really speaks to the value of going to an NSCA conference is the networking piece. And yeah, the NASCAR thing that, that was pretty cool. We had a couple of sessions from Toyota Racing. Uh, I met some of the pit crew, uh, strength and conditioning staff folks that were just local there. And what a cool dynamic, you know? That was really, really cool. I, I was excited to uh, really to just go to the conference itself. But then you guys add so many cool little things along with it. It, it makes it even better. So, yeah, the... I, I think it, it's a testament testament to Coach Glass and his professionalism, not only with the student athletes and the coaches, but the administration. And this is the second group that Coach Glass has, has been a part of as far as president and director of athletics. When Coach Glass got back the second time, because he had been at Oklahoma State and then went to Florida for 10 years, and then he came back. Um, President Burns Hargis and athletic director 
uh, Mike Holder. Mike Holder was the longtime uber successful golf coach that won eight national championships in golf. Um, so they were the, the people in power, you know, for several years until a couple of years ago. And then president Hargis retired and we hired Dr. Casey Shrum from OSU medicine. And then, uh, Chad Weiberg, who they brought back here to eventually one day take over, uh, was our aide and, um, they, it was a situation where they promoted Chad and, and because of Coach Glass and his unbelievable professionalism, the way he handles all of really all of us and, and we all basically get held to the same standard, you know, because of Coach. So I think that's really, you know, a tip of the cap to Coach Glass. It's just you're right. People don't leave because they're good jobs and we're looked at in the organization at this level, really because of Rob glass. And I mean, that's just, you can ask anybody that's there that works for him, whether it's Garrett Bailiff with baseball or Mark Mitchell with basketball, Jake Manselman was the basketball strength coach for years and years and years. And then he just left a couple of years ago to St. to go to St. Louis to get reunited with Travis Ford, any of the people that's been there for a long time can tell you that it all starts at the top with Coach Glass. So you work with football, but you yes. also work with the wrestling program. Have those always been your go-to sports? Well, um, you know, when I got into the business at Tulsa, there was the head strength coach and me, and then Coach Cross came, Tom Cross came, so they were really – three of us. And then the other guy, Colby Schreckengoss had transitioned out to go back to the football staff. So it was two of us again. So I really did everything. And at Washington state, I did football and basketball and baseball and a little bit of volleyball. And then, so when I got to Oklahoma state, because I'd interned with the Cowboys, I knew I was going to have football because Les miles had, had recommended me and they were in the process you know, old Gallagher Hall was where, you know, the arena is, and they basically raised the roof on Gallagher Hall, and then they renamed it Gallagher Ivor Arena. Um, and so the arena now seats 13,600 and some, and then that's where all the athletic department offices are. And then in the basement, basically directly under the floor of Gallagher Iba is the weight room that's in Gallagher. So when they redid that in 2001, January of 01, um, the AD at the time was Terry Don Phillips, who later went on to Clemson. But Terry Don was the guy that hired me. He said uh, wrestling kind of was doing their own thing. Baseball was kind of doing their own thing. It was kind of a weird deal, but he wanted to get everybody back under, you know, a coll one collective roof, uh, so to speak. And so he gave me wrestling and, the rest is history. I, I was so unbelievably nervous to have to, you know, go meet with John Smith being, you know, I'm from Oklahoma and obviously know the tradition of Oklahoma state wrestling and obviously the tradition of John Smith himself in wrestling. And, you know, he's a, a world figure. Um, and so that was, I, I was nervous to, even though I'm really short, I didn't know a thing about wrestling. My high school is too small to have wrestling. So we, I, I should have wrestled. I mean, that was what I should have done. But my mom was a 
along with being a professor, was a junior college women's head basketball coach. So I thought I was going to play in the NBA for years, you know, because that's what I did. I went to practice with her and games with her and shot buckets all the time. And, you know, yeah, I thought I was going to be Dr. J. But so, it, it, yeah, oddly enough. So but I, I had to go meet with coach and and he was a little bit wary at first because he was kind of doing it himself. And I said, well, coach. I'm just judge me on, you know, what I do moving forward. I don't, I'm not going to try to act like a wrestling aficionado, but I do know about the human body and how to make guys, you know, more explosive and more powerful. And that to me is what your sport's all about. And so that first year he was a little, you know, would ask me, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And just, you know, how most coaches are. And then after that, it was, he pretty much took the, the training wheels off. So, but it, it's, it's been wonderful. And it's great that Rob Glass, Mike Gundy, John Smith, they all went to Oklahoma state. They all, you know, were there as students together. Now they're all back there. They've all known each other. And so it's a great situation for me because everybody that I work for, you know, they all get along and they've known each other for, you know, years and years and years. So Yeah, I think that speaks to something that a lot of strength coaches have to do in their career is learn a new sport that they're not as familiar with. They didn't play Uh, just to maybe have a job or get an opportunity or maybe you, you know, as a baseball guy, maybe the baseball job came with volleyball or something that I'm not as familiar with. And that's something that learning sports and basing it on quality movement and being able to communicate with obviously head coaches and sport coaches that know their sport extremely well, that is a, that's a tough skill to learn for young coaches. I think it's something that uh, can, like you spoke to, it, it can intimidate us to go into a room with someone so knowledgeable or, or maybe a legendary figure in their sport and basically say, well, we do have knowledge that can help your athletes and your players. Exactly. And not, and not try to, I think the thing for me that was, I I guess I'm, you know, I'm acting like I know what they think, but I never tried to act like I was a wrestling coach or, you know, I, I went at it from, you know, uh, really, Hey, you know, I'm certified, I'm qualified. I do know how to do this, 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 and this, and this is going to translate to the mat and make the guys better. And then I just learned by going to matches and going to practice. And then that was another thing, like getting to to be around John Smith, you know, all these years and listen to him just in a practice. I mean, he's, you know, he's unbelievable. And just the stories that, that he has of when he competed and it, it just, that, that was I mean, I'm super blessed to even get to be a part of that, but just, and just asking questions. I had really two good mentors that, that were coaches here. Mark Cody was the associate head coach and then went on to be a head wrestling coach. And then Mark Branch, Mark Branch um, is an Oklahoma guy, uh, came to Oklahoma state, was a four-time NCAA finalist, two-time NCAA champion. um, And then, 
was on the staff and was became later became the head assistant. Now he's the head coach at Wyoming. They, those two guys really helped me with a lot of questions and stuff that I had early on when I, when I took over. So uh, shoot, when I took over wrestling, uh, we had Daniel Cormier that was one of our club coaches, Jamil Kelly and Eric Guerrero were all trying to get into the, um, the wrestling Olympic cycle and they were competing for the 2004 Olympic games. And so all three of those guys made the team. And that was another, you know, I, to, to know Daniel that long and Jamil wound up winning silver and, you know, Eric was on the Olympic team as well. And later became our associate head coach as well. When coach branch went to Wyoming, it was, I had a lot of people that, that guided me and, were super positive about what I was trying to do. And, you know, Hey, I was just there for them to put the program together, take them through it and, and basically support them. And I think that that came through in the beginning to where it really helped me. There's a lot of history in that program and you've been a part of that for a long time, you know, on the subject of young coaches getting into the profession go back to the beginning for you what were some of the key moments that maybe inspired you towards a strength and conditioning career um I, yeah i have several of those i i kind of was lucky at an early age back to you know my mom and dad were college professors and my mom coached and i remember going back they had the old amf circuit that had the shoulder press the bench press the uh, the wrist roll, the, um, uh, the high lat. And I would go back there and I would hit sets on that. And then they all had the leg extension, leg curl over in the corner. And I used to love those things. I used to get the best pump, but I mean, maybe that's why I didn't grow up to be, you know, very tall, you know, uh, but I, it was something I liked right off. And then my high school football coach was, really big into strength conditioning had gone to, I found out later, had gone to Nebraska and was at a clinic with, um, that coach Epley had put on. And so he pretty much had the whole Husker power stuff up in our weight room. Well, my brother had taken me in because he had said, told my brother Jim to go get me. And he said, he better start lifting. He's pretty small. If he's going to play quarterback because we ran the option. And so, my brother was also someone that that really helped me in the beginning because he was pretty jacked in high school and kind of helped me, you know, learn my way around the weight room. And then once I got started, my high school football coach was 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 really key and a critical figure in me being excited about it. And he would come and pick me up actually before school because I couldn't drive at that time. And he would bring me in and I would lift with him and then I would go to school and then we'd have practice later in the day. So that was, he was a, a big mentor for me along with my brother. And, and so I had told my mom, you know, we at NEO at that time, they were a dominant, dominant junior college, the best junior college football program in the nation. And that was back when you could get, they, there was really no, uh, out of state type stuff. So guys would load up. They had they had players everywhere: Georgia, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, just really all over the country. And so college coaches would come around all the time. Well, then my mom 
her secretary was also the football secretary. So she would get all these media guides that the college football coaches would leave. So I would pour through those media guides and I would, you know, I, I saw that there were strength conditioning coaches and that was just starting to kind of be, you know, a normal thing for everybody. And I told my mom one day, I said, I want to be a strength coach. And I, she, as she said, I said, well, how do I, you know, what do I go about doing? And she said, you need to write Boyd Epley, Nebraska. And so because I had the media guide from the football secretary, I, I wrote him a note and he wrote right back and said that I needed to join the NSCA and they'd already changed that. I don't know how many people know it used to be national strength coaches association. And then they changed it, but it had already been changed by that point. That was 86 and said to, you know, to look into being a certified strength coach. And I kept the letter. I'd folded it up, put it back in its envelope. So I had the letter and the envelope. And so then, you know, kind of the, ne the next step was, because of NEO, again, Mac Butler was a football coach at NEO, defensive back coach. He actually got hired at the University of Tulsa. Well, he and his wife were both faculty members. Even though he coached, he taught business at NEO with my mom and dad. And so he knew about my desire to be a strength conditioning coach. So when he went to Tulsa, he was there for that first season of 89 in December of 89, he called and said, hey, Gary, would you be interested in being a student assistant at Tulsa? Because they had a really one slot. It was for a GA, but the guy had left. And so I said, absolutely. And I went down and I interviewed uh, with the director of athletics, the head football coach, Dave Rader. And at the time, the head strength coach was Colby Schreckengost. And I got the job. So if it really wasn't for Mac Butler as well, I, I would have never gotten – jump started into my career. I love that story about digging through the media guides for information. Uh, this was a couple of years before we had Instagram and Twitter and everybody had their information out there. So it's something that, I mean, I remember going through whenever I could find a bio of someone that maybe, yep. you know, I, I thought their job title or uh, career was something I had interest in. I, I'd read that bio or I'd save it. And I remember the first couple programs that I got my hands on in professional baseball. And that really ignited that interest for me to pursue it further. Um, I love that. I think that is, um, you know, it, it speaks to the process that we had at the time, but also the process for coaches today it's a reminder to be resourceful and use yeah. the information you have. And there's so much of that available now. Uh, let's get into that a little bit. What are some of the things you see that have really changed, you know, over a 30 plus year career? I think this is uh, good for the experienced coaches listening to here, but also for the young coaches that are, are just getting their feet wet in the profession. I, I think the, one of the first things that would come to mind for me is the the sport coach now at whatever school you're at, they're pretty knowledgeable. Whereas years and years ago, they would even just say, well, I did it, but I did some bench and this and, you know, and then I was out. Well, now those coaches that are head coaches now, 
they've come through programs that had a strength coach. So they're a lot more knowledgeable about what they want and how they see their program headed. And so to me, that's all, coach glass does a great job of this as well. You better get to be on the same page quickly with the head coach because it's their program, you know, even as good as, a strength coach as coach glass is if Mike Gundy wants something done a certain way or a group at a certain time or whatever it may be, ultimately he's the head coach, just like John Smith for me. I mean, you know, yesterday was a snow day. They really, it was a nice day, but they canceled school. So he wanted to be on the mat at nine and lift at 10. That's what we did. You know what I mean? So it's just the coaches nowadays are really probably a lot more advanced in the strength conditioning area than sport coaches were when I first got into the business. But also the flip side of, of that, I think is you should be even more advanced as a strength conditioning professional as they are. So you better stay on top of it and stay on top of the business and, you know, keep trying to get better whether you're adapting to like, I'm not great at the West side barbell piece with, you know, bands and chains. That's something that I try to get better at. We've got um, a rest on our team. Whose dad is a West side barbell protege. They're from Ohio, Vic uh, Bionovich. And so to, to help Vic, because that's something that he's done from the time he was a little kid to, I got him that they're they're into that so i've tried to immerse myself into that as much as i can to try to help him succeed because he's had great success with it so you know the old adapt or die deal i think is applicable now i, I think that's you know that like you said there's so much out there and it's so easy to get that's one thing about all the technology it, it can kind of get overwhelming but I think if you know what you're looking for, if you're trying to challenge yourself, you'll find some stuff to make yourself better. And you have to, um, especially in the area, you know, that we're in because it's always evolving, but it's always going back to the same old stuff. If you've noticed kettlebells are big again. I mean, everything goes, you know, mm -hmm. full circle. Yeah. A mentor of mine always says the pendulum of strength and conditioning always swings you know, forward and back. And it, it's going to revisit some of those same theme areas. Uh, kind of goes back, you were talking about, Boyd, those foundational principles, the Husker power principles, those are still so relevant today. Uh, yep. If you're a young coach listening in and you don't know those, uh, look up Husker power. Those are really impactful. And those are going to, I guarantee if you're not if you don't know what they are, you are probably doing them already. If you're in the profession and you're working with athletes and it's a good framework that really put the profession on a pedestal about what we do and the services we provide as strength coaches. And I think too, like when you look at Boyd and what he was doing, he sort of kind of is doing what coach glass does here at this level. Boyd was very professional. He you know, had the coat and tie on and lots of pictures. And, you know, he was, he was an educator. And I, I think that went a long ways early in our profession to help really make our 
our profession relevant. It wasn't just a bunch of the old meathead deal because, I mean, the people that Boyd was spitting out into the profession, they were highly intelligent. I mean, that guy, I think right off the top of my head, John Jost. I mean, there are people that the highly intelligent individuals that just happen to be strength conditioning coaches. They could have done anything they wanted to do. But I think our everybody needs to thank Boyd Epley for getting us on the most solid footing as possible because if he was any other way than what he was, I think it could have gone <laughs> poorly, actually. I I had a few really great moments at Coach's Conference, especially at the RSCC reception. We were all hanging out, and Boyd's in there, and Bill Ferran, and Jerry Palmieri, all these legendary figures in their sport, in their field, and and it uh, – it's pretty special to be a part of that. You know, it's uh, when, after I got done, I think I was talking to you, coach glass was like, Hey Gary, come here. And so I, I see two people there, but I don't know. I think I know one of them, but I didn't know for sure. When I walk over coach was like, this is Jerry Palmieri and chip Sigmund. Well, Jerry Palmieri had been at Oklahoma state back in the mid eighties. He did Oklahoma state wrestling. He trained John Smith as a student athlete. Wow. And, Oh, yeah. So he was like, hey, congratulations on your award. That's awesome to see a Cowboy get it. You know, please tell Coach Smith I said hello. And he gave me a couple, you know, John Smith's lifting stories when he was a student athlete. And so when I got back the that very next morning when Kimmy and I flew back, I had wrestling the next morning. And Coach Smith stuck his head in my office and he goes, is that the strength coach of the year? And I said, <laughs> yes, sir. And he comes in and gives me a hug and I said hey Jerry Palmieri told me to tell you he's like what was he there and I said oh yeah I said coach he's a big wig in the organization big you know big time and he's like oh my gosh he's so awesome and so he sat in my office for 30 minutes talking about Jerry Palmieri so I mean it that's pretty cool yeah I love that when when you're you're becoming a part of the history and there's so much history like we're talking about at Oklahoma State and and, you know, it speaks to, you know, coaches travel all over. I mean, I, I forgot that Jerry was at Oklahoma State. I mean, that is, uh, you know, we think of his NFL career as being so, so important. And he does so much for us to support the NFL coaches today. Uh, but that is, that is such an awesome. I career. actually went back and went online because he, he told me he had written a couple or one, I know for sure, journal article. And so I went, I logged in after that lift that day and, and went on the archives of the NSCA journal and found the Jerry Palmieri strength training for wrestling at Oklahoma state article and printed it off. And yeah, it's pretty wild. That's awesome. So question for our coaches getting into the profession, uh, you talked about getting sort of a GA or student assistant type position. Have you seen that landscape change in terms of GA positions, internships? Um, you know, what advice do you have for coaches that maybe want to get into the power five level of working in football or, or on the Olympic side? Um, I, I've, I've seen it change. We, and coach class does a really good job of this. Back when I was coming up, it was, you were a GA, you went to class, you got your master's. I wanted to get my master's. So that was, fine but now it's really an intern title 
and it's a catch-all. It could be someone that is an undergrad that wants to do it. It can be someone that's got their uh, undergraduate degree that's not going to, you know, school but wants to intern. It could be someone that's in the master's program that's interning. My wrestling intern right now is a PhD student at Oklahoma State. So it's got kind of all levels. Coach Glass just calls them interns. And I think to me, you know, I know he gets a, a lot of emails. I do too. Probably all everybody in the um, our, you know, all of our strength coaches at Oklahoma State probably get the same emails, but he goes through them and we go through interns. And what Coach Glass really does, if you do a good job at Oklahoma State and you have been a really good intern and it's someone that we can stamp. There's so many high school jobs in the state of Oklahoma. Now we had at one time a year and a half ago, we had six former interns that were head high school strength coaches in the state of Oklahoma wow. making over $50,000. That's, that's awesome. I had a female that helped me. That was my intern. She played softball at Oklahoma state. She's a stud. Taylor Pence is her name. She left Oklahoma State from that intern spot and went to um, prior high school, no, Piedmont. And I think she makes 65. Yeah. Well, that's a long way from where the field was 15, 20 yep. years ago. And we've seen that. We presented at the conference the recent salary survey we did, and we're seeing growth. We're seeing uh, it was 22% growth across all NSCA coaching demographics. Uh, but high school and college were actually two of the highest areas of growth, which was really nice to see. Um, breaking it down by the director level, the head coach level, and the assistant level. I think the assistant level at the college actually grew the most, and we're seeing growth for uh, the first five to six years of the profession, uh, you know, and that, that I think is good because there's been so much attrition in the profession over the years. I remember my first, my first two years in pro baseball, I was in Helena, Montana with a rookie ball team. Grinding. Yeah. And I never, never thought I'd go to Montana. Loved it up there. It was so cool. But you know, there's eight teams in the league and we're playing each other all the time. So you get to know the strength coaches on the other side. And this was still kind of the early days where, you know, we were just happy to be there and strength coach tight jobs. And and it was, but then the next year I'd be the only one back and I'm like, where did everybody go? And And it became pretty obvious that this profession really wasn't for everybody. And some of that was financial, a good portion of that you know life happens and and the the money game becomes important um but it's nice to see salaries on the rise obviously that's something that we are continuing to advocate for well and that's what i told coach glass i know he got he didn't want to talk about it but like i told him i said congratulations coach that's unbelievable anytime you can be the first of something i mean that's pretty remarkable but the bottom line too with coach is it goes back to the beginning part of you know our conversation about his professionalism the way people think about him from the other side of campus over to the athletic side of campus all of our donors and fans I mean he's got a 
you don't have the body by glass nickname for nothing. I mean, there's <laughs> that our fans and people talk about it, but his professionalism is, is what got him, you know, and he does a great job. And so they were all too glad to say, Hey, we believe in you and we're going to give you this, this money, which he deserves. So, yeah. It definitely opened some eyes this year. Coach Glass being the first million dollar strength coach, uh, and you know USA Today article, and uh, people reach out and they they you know it's a big topic of conversation right now. One thing you're talking about professionalism that he carries and the impact he has on that program over so many years. Let's talk about leadership for a second. What are some of the other leadership qualities that you think make a program leader great? Um, I I really think that, you know, I would start with the professionalism piece. I mean, you, you've, you've got to comport yourself in a manner to make people follow you and want to follow you, not because you've got a title, but because you carry yourself the way you should and that you've got knowledge that can help them or help their team or help their organization. Um, but also I think consistency, I, I think getting up, going to work every day and coaching and being consistent, I, I think is because that's what strength training is. So if you're not consistent in going to work every day, then how are you going to be consistent with your student athletes and, and trying to get over a barrier or, you know, break through a PR or whatever it may be. I mean, consistency to me is, is really critical in, in, I, I feel like in leadership and coach class is one of the best at that. And so I try to mimic what he does there. I'm, I'm not just clocking in. I'm at work and I I want to be ready to go in the lift. I was told years ago by Tom Cross, when I remember this vividly. I, it was my first year as a GA. I'd gotten my undergrad and I stayed at Tulsa's the GA. And I had he had, I can't remember what group he was working with. And so he had me do the men's tennis team. I just remember I, I had them that next morning. Well, I had class or whatever that night before. And one of the very few times that I was late getting to work and he, I didn't miss the workout, but I walked in like right before it started and I got the guys going, got the workout done. He makes a beeline for me and he says, listen, you need to get here you know, 30 minutes before work or more and get ready to go, get the workout set up. So when they walk in, you're ready to go. Because if you aren't excited about their workout at this time in the morning, how in the world do you expect them to be? So you need to do a better job and you don't need to be late again or this late again. And I, that, I think about that all the time. And I've told a bunch of the interns that, you know, get up, get showered, wash your hair, look presentable, you know, whether you drink coffee or Red Bull or whatever it may be, a spark, but get your mind right. So when it's like with Coach Glass, we he meets with us at 6 a.m. And then he tells us what we need to do for the workout. The workout starts at 630. But nobody walks in at, you know, 558 for his meeting at six. 
you know, we're already there sitting, waiting to go. And, and so I do the same thing with wrestling. I, you know, I'm there early. I, I, my intern knows what time to be there. And I just, I, I think that that story was very helpful for me. So, you know, it's something that I try to try to still do to this day, as far as, um, the consistency piece. I also think, um, at you better know how to reach all kinds of kids. It, um, we're part of our job is just so much involved into your kind of part sports psychologist. So get to know your student athletes and, it could be a day where if you know them, you know they're not ready for you to jump down their throat. But you've got to get to know your your athletes on a level to where, hey, I know how this guy is. I know how this guy is. I know how this guy is. He's not ready for this. Or he lost a big match the other day. He's not going to be ready for me to, you know, to critique him. Or he's looking for that. Or that's the way this guy is. I mean, you just – to me, learning and getting to know your student athletes is is critical in their development, really on the field or, you know, off the yeah. mat, whatever you want to say. I think that's a huge, huge piece. You know, one thing that comes through there is you talk about being professional and consistent in your delivery, uh, being prepared for the day. But if you do those things, you're going to have enough in the tank mentally you're not going to be so strung out preparing just to get the workout done that you're going to be more personable you're going to be able to connect with your athletes and so I think uh you really laid the foundation there and then yeah we talk a lot about now the the psychology of what we do just the relationship piece the communication piece and I think we all know that that is largely dependent on our ability to get ourselves up for a workout, a, a session, a conversation, uh, a podcast, you know, I think it's something that we, uh, that is a skill, you know, our level of preparation impacts our ability to communicate well on a daily basis. Absolutely. I mean, and I think too, I, I said this the other day, oddly enough, um, when I got done with a football group, I really just wanted to sit down and one of our younger interns, he was rolling out, getting ready to get his lift on. And I told Nate Peoples, one of our other full-time football assistants, I was like, man, I remember those days. And he said, me too. I said, now I just want to sit down. Well, when I went to go get something to drink, I was, when I was walking to the um, juice bar to get something to drink in my mind, I thought about, something uh i read somewhere that if you do what you're supposed to do during a lift group if you're working hard enough you shouldn't feel like lifting right after that because you've put enough energy into your student athletes that honestly you i, I don't have any energy to lift after that now i know part of that is definitely you know being 53 years old i get it but you know that's something that you know, I watch Coach Glass do that, too. I mean, he puts a lot of effort into coaching. And the first thing on his mind is not getting his own lift in. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. We're there for the student athletes. We're not there to, you know, to get a, to pump every day. That's just, I mean, 
that to me, that's, that's gotta be part of it. Yeah. That that's um, unreal advice. I think that is, uh, you know, one thing I like about this episode is that I think for those that have been in this profession for a long time, there's a lot of cool takeaways and cool stories that they can resonate with, but also the young professionals, the lessons that, that you've learned along the way, but are still delivering with your interns, with your young coaches, with your athletes. And, uh, and it also speaks to the coaching progression that happens of said you're 53 years old. Well, it's a lot different than when you're 23 years old, just getting in and you have nothing but energy to, uh, and there might be some, some strategy that goes into ramping up for your day. So um, this has been cool, man. I, I really appreciate you being with us. We had a great time at Coaches Conference, getting to know you, your family, and uh, just learning about your program at Oklahoma State. Well, um, as you know, I'm unbelievably humbled to to just be I, – I was blown away when I got the email from you that I was nominated. So that was a huge <laughs> – huge deal for me to even think about winning it was so far down the road it never even I never even thought that would even come to fruition but to win it I'm just really really humbled just to be a small part of the NSCA and and what it stands for and who started it and what he stands for and so yeah I, we we were excited. My wife was excited to go and, and I was awful pumped that coach glass and his wife got to go it was, it was awesome. So as much as, as I thought it was going to be great, uh, the coaches conference, you know, surpassed what I thought it was going to be. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic first class experience. And today's been great. I was excited to do this. So yeah. these are fun. Uh, what's the best way for coaches listening in to get in touch with you? Um, you can use my email. Uh, it's Gary, G-A-R-Y dot, my last name, Calcano, C-A-L-C-A-G-N-O at okstate.edu. Awesome. We will drop that into the show notes. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. Gary, thank you. Thank you, Eric. Also, a special thanks to Sornex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. Hi coaches, this is Mike Carroll, longtime college strength and conditioning coach, now working on the tactical side of the profession. The NSCA Coaching Podcast brings highlights from all areas of our growing field to help you navigate your coaching path. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.